For anyone who doesn't know, my name is Anna. I work here in the church, usually in the kitchen, but I've been allowed out tonight. So I'm going to start tonight with a confession, and I'm going to tell you about probably the naughtiest thing that I think I've ever done. It wasn't a criminal offence, but I live with the guilt of it. So are you ready? I hope you won't be too shocked. When I was about 10, I was a Juno, like a brownie, but a church-based version. And we, like brownies, worked our way to get a sleeve full of achievement badges. And one week, it was time for our test for our astronomy badge. And we were all presented with a felt board and some felt stars. And we had to lay out the stars on the board to form different constellations, as we were told in the test sheet. Now, I managed all of these except for one, and I couldn't quite remember where the five stars of the plough go. But all of a sudden, I could see a piece of paper sticking out from under the felt board. And when I pulled it out slightly, I realised it was the answer sheet. <laughs> so with a quick glance round the room, I pulled it out further, had a quick look, pushed it back, correctly sighted the five stars of the plough and was awarded my astronomy badge. <laughs> and I watched as my mum proudly sewed the badge onto my green uniform with guilt and shame. And I'm now making a public apology for my deceit, and if I still had the badge, I'd give it back. <laughs> but now I'm in the second half of my 50s, I'm aware that if this is the most deceitful or daring thing I've ever done, then um, maybe I should live a little, so just beware. <laughs> now, my astronomy studies stopped for a while, except that, unsurprisingly, I could always find the plough constellation on a dark night. Couldn't find any of the others, but I can remember that one. So when a few years ago we were invited to join a dark sky stargazing evening in South Africa, I was enthusiastic to make amends with improving my stargazing abilities. Now we sat with a group of strangers, wrapped in blankets on low deck chairs, tipped back in the middle of a field in South Africa, and we stared in awe and wonder at the amazing sight of this sky full of stars, more stars than I've ever seen in my life. Can anyone point out a constellation, we were asked. And I thought, oh, I can show them now that I know one. And I looked everywhere for the shape of the plough, but I couldn't find it anywhere. Now, fortunately, I didn't voice this to anyone. It wasn't long before I arrived. The night sky I was looking at was the southern hemisphere night sky and not the northern one but where the plough could be seen. Now, I expect none of you have ever done anything as naughty as me in cheating a test or be as limited in knowledge as me as to look for the plough in the sky above South Africa. But nothing will take away the feeling of awe and wonder that came to me that evening when I was tilted back in that deck chair, facing that sky of stars. Now, we had a starry skies expert with us who had a brain so big. And he was pointing with a very powerful laser at different stars and giving us the most amazing facts. He picked out stars and informed us that that star that we could see was so far away from us geographically that the light that we could now see had been admitted by the star 2,000 years ago, another 3,000 years ago. It was an incredible experience. Now, at this time of the year, in most songs and carols and nativities and readings, the star is mentioned. If I was to say these lines from We Three Kings, star of wonder, star of light, you could probably all finish the line of the carol. Very good. 
If I said, oh, holy night, the stars are? From away in a manger, if I say, the stars in the bright sky? And from O little town of Bethlehem, if I was to say, oh, morning stars together? That was harder, but well done. Stars are familiar in all our Christmas songs. And no school nativity would be complete without the child dressed in the star with their arms out at 90 degrees, knocking everybody over. However, in the Christmas story, a star is actually only mentioned the once. As Brian just read to us from the Gospel of Matthew, the text recalls the Magi following a star so that they could worship Jesus. The text actually quotes the Magi saying that they saw his star, not any star, his star. Now, why the Magi, these astronomers, these wise men, chose to follow that star that night is unclear, but it was an encounter that changed their lives forever. All because they lifted their gaze, they noticed something amazing, they trusted what they saw, and they found Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the baby king born to be king of kings. The vision of the moving star led them to a place of worship, a place of holy awe and wonder. But God didn't just use a star to lead people to the baby in the manger, this place of holy awe and wonder. Instead of a star, there were angels who caught the attention of the shepherds and led them to Jesus, lifting their gaze from their ordinary lives and leading them to something amazing. Now, that would fill you with awe and wonder too, wouldn't it? Like a night sky full of stars, a sky full of angels and the glory of God would be hard to ignore. I read another amazing fact this week when I was looking into all this with the stars. Did you know, you probably do, that there are hundreds of billions of stars in our galaxy alone? And astronomers now think that there may be at least 140 billion other galaxies, many of them bigger than ours. Scientists estimate that in the observable universe alone, there are 10 times more stars than there are grains of sand on all the world's beaches and deserts. It's just an incredible thought that we can't get our heads around. And there are so many more amazing facts that blow our mind and just leave us in awe. Now, there are obviously different thoughts on how the starry skies were formed. But when you gaze up on the stars on a dark night and hear of the extent of the universe, you can't help but be reminded of your smallness. In the same way, I'm told, because I haven't been, if you walk into the Sistine Chapel, you can't help but lift your gaze in awe and wonder at the artwork of Michelangelo on the ceiling. And I know, because I have been there, if you recline in a deck chair in a dark field in South Africa, you can't help but be consumed with awe and wonder at the amazing sky of stars. A child on Christmas morning wandering towards a sparkling Christmas tree and seeing a Christmas stocking bursting with parcels have awe and wonder on their face. But despite believing in an amazing God, we don't always spend our time filled with awe and wonder. We're ordinary people living ordinary lives in ordinary places and often absorbed daily in ordinary things. Our lives are lacking rather in awe and wonder at times. But the incredible thing is that as Christians we're able to worship the same God who I believe flung the stars into space. 
the same God who shone a special star for the Magi, the same God who filled the skies with angels and the glory of God for the shepherds. Now at Christmas time, we celebrate the arrival of Jesus, the Son of God to earth. We read the Christmas story, we sing our Christmas carols, we remember the significance of the season, but all too soon, we lower our gaze back to the everyday and the ordinary. We can get so focused in life on our own selves, or maybe just focused on the needs of others and doing for people, that sometimes we forget to look up, to raise our gaze to Jesus, to worship him, and as the carol says, to fall on our knees as we hear the angel voices. Each day we can make that choice to lift our gaze in awe and wonder to the face of Jesus, to see a God who is so pure, matchless and unique that no one else and nothing else comes close. A God who I believe is altogether glorious, unequaled in splendor and unrivaled in power. A God who is above the grasp, I believe, of human reason, who is far above the reach of even the loftiest of scientific mind, one who is inexhaustible, immeasurable, and unfathomable, one who is eternal, immortal, and invisible. The highest mountain peak and the deepest canyon depths are just tiny echoes of his proclaimed greatness. And the blazing stars above that blow our minds are only the faintest emblems of the full measure of the glory of God. Sometimes in life we find ourselves doing the opposite. We take the extraordinary revelation of God and we somehow make him sound completely ordinary. American author A.W. Tozer wrote, left to ourselves, we tend immediately to reduce God to manageable terms. We can have a tendency to lower our gaze and become overwhelmed with our own selves and reduce God to something quite ordinary. Maybe right here tonight you find yourself in a place of disappointment, a place of challenge, a place of indifference, wondering what life is all about and maybe missing out on the extraordinary person of Jesus. Then tonight, I'd like to encourage you, like the Magi and the shepherds, to lift your gaze back up to the one who is above everything, to the one to whom we owe so much and stand in awe and wonder in his presence. So in closing, may we follow the star, may we journey to the manger, may we join the song of the angels and encounter the extraordinary son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we've just sing, may all that is within me adore him. Amen. We're now going to listen to a poem written by James and performed by Andrew called Christmas is a Moment. Mm -hmm. 